Hate speech. Hmm. It seems like a moving target these days. It's often left undefined in legal terms because of the uh, the deep tension that exists between hate speech and free expression, freedom of speech. In the U.S., there is no legal definition of hate speech in U.S. law. Defining what it is can be a tough call throughout society, too, especially with the rise of online speech uh, through social media platforms. So as followers of Jesus, we were thinking, hmm, how do we handle all of this, especially in a world that accuses you of hate speech if you quote what the Bible says regarding a particular topic? So we've invited Jason Thacker from the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission to be with us. In fact, he has posted an article online, Where Do We Draw the Line on Hate Speech? We're glad to have him with us. Hey, Jason, good morning to you. Hey, good morning. How are you guys? Good. We're doing great. Welcome to the conversation this morning. Man, this is a big conversation. Okay, let's start with Twitter. (laughs) That's how you start uh, your article. (laughs) That's where uh, hate speech starts. Yeah, let's talk about that. What are your thoughts on what's going on with Twitter these days? Yeah, it's kind of a, um, it's, there's a lot going on to say the least. Obviously, with uh, Elon Musk's purchase of the company, a lot of out, uh, a lot of people being let go and a lot of changes uh, happening at Twitter. It's a really interesting time if you start thinking about the nature of social media, specifically Twitter and where we're at. Um, but that doesn't change a lot of the fundamental aspects of how we as Christians engage online and how we engage other people. And I think that's a lot of what we need to be talking about is how do we apply a Christian ethic in an increasingly digital society? Yeah, and that is, that's vitally important for us. And I, I was surprised as I was reading through your article, no legal definition of hate speech in U.S. law. I guess I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah, that's a really interesting point here because hate speech is something that we talk about pretty regularly these days. And especially in terms of content moderation on social media, I think for many listeners, they kind of bristle at the idea of content moderation. But in reality is is that we all want content moderation in some form or fashion because otherwise we wouldn't want our children especially, but even ourselves to be on these online platforms. They'd be full of profanity and hate. They'd be full of violence. They'd be even full of pornography. And varying companies have varying uh, content moderation policies. But this doesn't mean that their content moderation policies are above uh, scrutiny or critique. And I think that's where we're starting to see kind of the rubber meet the road in terms of Christianity as we seek to live out our faith in the public square and what that looks like in an increasingly digital society. Because as you said, there's not a legal definition of hate speech, whether in the United States or even in international law. Yet many of these content moderation policies make bold declarations on what's considered hate speech and dehumanizing speech. And that can be often at odds with a Christian understanding of reality and specifically with sexuality issues. Yeah, let's talk about uh, the tweets about the first openly transgender athlete in history to uh, compete in the Olympic Games, Laurel Hubbard. That's an example of what you're talking about, isn't it? Exactly. And we've seen a couple of these over the last few years. And interestingly enough, almost always on Twitter, while all social media companies have certain content moderation policies and often talk about the nature of hate speech or dehumanizing speech. Um, It's interesting that Twitter has not only been in the news recently, but even over the last few years, specifically on issues of transgenderism, LGBTQ plus issues, etc., often because when people talk about the reality of being created male or female, 
and kind of pushing back against a lot of the transgender ideologies and understandings of the day, this is where we've seen kind of the rubber meet the road in terms of what's considered hate speech, uh, where folks have been deplatformed, they've been banned from their account permanently, or they've been banned from their account for a, a, a specific amount of time, whether it's 12 hours, 24 hours, etc. And specifically with Laurel Hubbard last year or the year before last with the Olympics, we saw this as an openly transgender athlete and a couple uh, kind of prominent media figures talked about how Hubbard was a man competing against females and how this wasn't fair. And this was labeled as hate speech and their accounts were temporarily suspended by Twitter. And this raised a, kind of a larger question about the nature of hate speech and how Christians navigate these in an increasingly digital society. Yeah. And and I think as uh, reasonably intelligent people, we can sit here and say criticism is not hate speech, but some people will pick it up as hate speech. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things that's kind of interesting about our current culture and kind of the the systems in which we inhabit today is that many of us start to see anything that pushes against what we believe and what we want to be true as somehow um, pushing back against our identity and not allowing us to be who we want to be. And this is part of kind of this idea of what's known as expressive individualism. This is something that's really prevalent in our society today that I get to define my own reality, my own truth, my inner feelings or who I really am. And being able to express that, not only express it, but also have it affirmed by others is crucial for society today. And as Christians, we simply deny that. Uh, we realize that our, our reality isn't conformed to what we want, but actually God's standards to how God created us. And we seek to conform ourselves to God rather than conforming and kind of wanting other people to affirm who we think we are. And that's really at odds with a lot of the modern conversations, specifically with issues of transgenderism. Hmm. Jason Thacker, our guest, he's from the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Jason, by the way, tell us what you guys do there. It's interesting. Yeah, we're the public policy arm of the Southern Baptist Convention, which means we speak to and for the church about the pressing ethical, moral, and social issues of the day, from politics all the way over to Christian ethics, helping the church to apply the eternal truths of God's Word to a lot of the pressing challenges of our day. So we do that through government advocacy, but also speaking on uh, to the church and helping to equip the church uh, to navigate the times in which we inhabit. Very interesting. By the way, I have a link to that website uh, for these guys, and also the article that we have uh, spotlighted this hour, Where Do We Draw the Line on Hate Speech, that Jason has written. If you go to Curtin K Mornings on the Facebook page, uh, the link is handy. You can uh, click on it right now and check it out. All right, so Jason, let's talk about the Bible as hate speech. You know what? I mean, this is something that it hasn't quite come to this yet in the United States, where we are thrown in jail uh, for quoting the Bible, uh, even if, you know, in a loving and kind way. I'm not talking about the craziness. But, you know, if, if, it's, if it's, I don't know, like that in, in Canada, I've seen a drift there. I mean, there's a, you know, what is the definition of hate speech? Well, I'm quoting what God's Word says about fill in the blank, and then suddenly I'm facing, you know, legal action of some kind. I believe that uh, the battle is ongoing in Europe uh, regarding this as well. The U.S., we're bringing up the, uh, the rear on this, so to speak. We're on the tail end of all of this. Where do you think it's headed, and how should we respond to the probability that we might end up in a kind of a tight spot as believers? 
Yeah, that's uh, and especially here in the United States, we have the blessings of liberty. We have the Constitution. We have guaranteed free speech. And one of the things that the courts have over and over and over again affirmed is the right of free speech, um, especially in the sense of not being able to legally define hate speech. So in many ways, there are a lot of protections. We've seen a lot throughout the recent years, especially in terms of the Supreme Court and siding with religious liberty and religious freedom, which is among our first freedoms as Americans constitutionally. And these speak to larger realities of what does it mean to be made human? What does it mean to be a human? How God created us to be fictional beings, to be able to choose, to be able to live out who we are as God has created us. And that's one of the things that I do see a little bit of a difference between places in, the Euro- in Europe and the EU, especially here in America, is that we have a robust understanding of free speech. And so in many ways, I'm hopeful in that sense, but that doesn't mean that we don't have some real challenges before us, especially with the pervasiveness of online speech and the way that many often today equate their inner desires and their pr- sexual preferences, especially with their identity. But as Christians, we can speak a good word often with that as well to say, you are not your sexuality. You are not your sexual identity or your desires. You are an image bearer. You were created in the very image of God. You have value, dignity, and worth because of who God is and how he made you. And I think that is a good word that we can speak amidst a lot of the legal battles and a lot of the challenges that we see, even controversies over platforms like Twitter and hate speech is to remember that we are to, as James tells us, to be slow to anger, slow to speak, and quick to listen. We are to honor the dignity of all people while speaking the truth of God's Word and how He created us in an increasingly divided age. Why is, why do you think human sexuality, the the sexual issues that we're facing, why is this ground zero on the battleground? Why is this like the hill to die on for so many people? What's really going on, do you think? Yeah, there are some larger kind of cultural movements that have happened over the last few hundred years that we saw kind of peak, especially in the midst of the sexual revolution of the 60s and moving all the way into today, especially with the prevalence of the questions over LGBTQ plus identities and desires and preferences. And I think this is kind of coming to a head in terms of the modern project. In many ways, we even saw this last year in terms of or earlier this year, that is, with the Dobbs decision about abortion, about how abortion didn't represent just abortion. It was kind of uh, the linchpin to a larger kind of moral and sexual revolution. And what this is doing is it's pushing back on this kind of rampant individualism of our day that says you are the king of, or queen of your universe. You're the one who gets to decide what you want, what's true and good for you, even if that's at odds with how God created us, how he's revealed himself and even at odds with kind of how we organize society. And so I think we're seeing this specifically kind of rubber meet the road in terms of issues of sexuality, because it pushes back on this kind of rampant individualism of our day, specifically being modeled in terms of I get to define my own reality, my own uh, who I am inside, that my body doesn't have to correspond with, you know, the real me on the inside. And I think that's where Christians can speak a a word of hope and love, but also speaking a, a, a word of truth about how God made us, how he created us, male or female, in his very image that we read about in Genesis. And as we speak to love people, you know, as Jesus' own words, to love God and love our neighbors ourselves, how do we do that in an increasingly digital society, an increasingly tense and divided society? And I think that's really the core, one of the big questions of how we apply Christian ethics today. There is 
um, you know, the, the global view of it. There's the, the macro view of this, then there's the micro. Let's go to the micro. Let's just say that uh, I have somebody in my family who identifies as transgender or homosexual, um, and I'm trying to love them in Jesus' name, and I, I still want to plant seeds for, you know, what God's Word has to say about all of this, and they view me as hateful because I'm reaching out to them in love, and then I am hurt because I, I do love them, and they are misrepresenting my motives. That is a very difficult place to be, and I would venture to say here this morning there are uh, quite a few people, maybe, who find themselves in that particular situation. How do we navigate this? Yeah, that's a really important question, especially of Christian discipleship today. This isn't something that's kind of a sanitized, out-there issue that we have to face or think about, it, but it's something that's very visceral. It's very real for many of us, where we have friends or family members or those in our communities or even our neighbors um, who are believing a lot of the lies about sexuality and sexual preferences and desires. And so I think in many ways it's we can control how we interact with other people. We can't always control how they're going to respond to us. And so I think one of the things that we can do is keep Jesus as we're central is how are we seeking to love God and love our neighbors ourselves? This is an outward expression about caring for other people, recognizing the dignity, value, and worth, speaking those truths and reminding them in many ways and reminding our society of the dehumanizing effects of these ideologies, specifically of trans, uh, transgenderism and other sexuality issues that tend to equate someone's worth and value with their, their sexual identity. That's anathema for Christians. We don't tie these two things together because you were made in the very image of God, and that is the root of your 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 value, worth, and dignity as a human being. And so, as we speak to do, we seek to do that, we can only control our words. We can't control how other people are going to receive those. And so, I think we can do that with the posture of grace and humility and truth, but also of openness and making sure that we're not speaking or affirming things that simply are not true, but we also don't be disagreeable for disagreeable sake. We seek to love other people, to champion the dignity of all people, and to remind people of the dehumanizing effects of these type of ideologies that equate their identity with their sexual preferences or desires. So while we seek to, whether in the digital square, seek to advocate for better policies, or in our families, in our communities, in our churches, seek to love other people. Again, it comes always down to how are we seeking to love God or love God, and seek to love neighbors ourselves. Mm-hmm. What a great conversation to have. Yeah. Jason, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Uh, a lot of food for thought. We appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.